You spend a lot of time studying as as we should. We, 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 we've got to study to show ourselves approved. We'll never make apologies for that. But there's nothing like just sitting down and the only agenda you have biblically is just to open the word of God and just let it speak to not just your mind, but your heart. Mm-hmm. Let it go 18 inches deeper. Mm-hmm. Let it get in here. And so that's where now, you know, Jesus, the bread of life, mm-hmm. John chapter six, that's where I really get to experience that this is necessary. Yeah. I have to have this to live. God's word speaking to my heart, not just my head. As long as God's word is speaking to my heart consistently, I'm going to be able to walk with the Lord in a way that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. But the minute it just becomes academic, I'm on borrowed time. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript. Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week we come together and we talk about a wide array of subject matter. We talk about theology and we talk about ministry. We talk about missions and history. And all of these subjects are so wonderful for our growth and to give us insight in what it looks like to be effective ministers. But oftentimes, in our own lives, we find ourselves neglecting the most essential aspects of our Christian faith, and that would be intimacy with Jesus Christ. Uh, What does it look like to have a relationship with Christ, especially in a world that's ever-changing, and uh, as ministry responsibilities in our lives change, as we grow in our ability to lead in our churches and our families uh, grow and, and, and change over time, there's constant transition taking place. The thing that always seems to get affected is the way in which we engage with Jesus, the way in which we spend time with him. We, we, we constantly are fighting to find time in God's word or time in prayer, and, and we make excuses that ultimately only just rob us of the most beautiful part of our faith. And so today we're going to be talking about quiet time. And for that conversation, we have invited Pastor Kenny Morgan, a professor over the foundations department here at uh, the Living Faith Bible Institute, and one of my dear friends. And and this is a subject that is very close to him. And so I'm, I'm really grateful to have him here with us today. And I think we'll get a lot out of this. It'll be motivating and challenging for all of us. So Pastor Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Honored. So I'm, I'm excited about today's conversation because it is something that people are wanting to get insight on. This is this is a this is a difficult thing for people, especially young people. You know, a lot of the students in LFBI, they they're trying to make room for homework yeah. and they're trying to make room for for life and family and and they're in these seasons of transition that um, that make it difficult for them to prioritize the main things. Uh, being with Christ gets lost in the jumble. It does. Life and ministry are loud. They're busy, they're chaotic, they're very demanding. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things that people can subtly justify as something they can live without, Mm -hmm. that they'll get to it next week or the next day or what have you. But 
I found personally in my life that this is really, this is the fuel. Mm -hmm. This is what fuels me. This is what invigorates me. This is what envisions me. This is what actually keeps me between the lines in my relationship with God. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. The first question I have is this term quiet time. You know, we, we, we use it so easily. It just rolls off our lips. We understand what it means, mm -hmm. you know, conceptually, because as evangelicals or, or Bible believers, sure. it's just part of our vernacular. It's mm -hmm. part of our common uh, daily life. We talk about having quiet time, having quiet time. Where did that term come from? Uh, give us some examples of, of times in scripture where we see heroes of the faith spending mm -hmm. uh, intimate moments with Christ. And, and how is that a model for us and how we move forward in, in our own quiet time? Sure. The phrase really gained legs in the 1950s when Billy Graham started using it in his crusades. Mm. And that's where it really took off. You see tons of pictures as you're just reading. You'll, you'll, you'll see the phrase rose up early in the morning. You, you mm. see Moses rising up early to go meet with God on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. uh, you see Hannah uh, praying and worshiping the Lord early in the morning. You see Gideon seeking God's blessing and favor early in the morning. And, and one of my favorites, and if I would say that, you know, if you ask me, what, what's your life verse? Mm. For me, my life verse really is, is, is Mark 135. And you, you look at that chapter and, and you see, you know, Christ just absolutely immersed in ministry. I mean, he's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. I mean, everybody is reaching and grabbing for him. I mean, ministry is, I mean, he is knee deep in it, if you would. And mm -hmm. then you get to, to, to Mark 135 and you see Jesus, the son of God, God in human flesh, rising up a great while before day, departing to a solitary place and there prayed. Mm -hmm. So rising up a great while before day, we're not given the exact time, but given the fact that this was a great while before day, you could say this was probably somewhere three, four in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a long time be, be, before the sun is up, so to speak. Yeah. Now, if if Jesus, the son of God, if if that was the premium that he placed on the quiet time, on getting away from everyone and everything to spend quality time with the father, what does it say to me who mm -hmm. is weak in the flesh? And mm -hmm. so that's been a call that I believe that, that God has called me to that, that I want to live out in my life. And let me just say, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, like sitting with God with an open Bible, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you mm -hmm. from the Word of God and just be with God in that space it's quiet. It's away from everyone, everything. I, I don't have words to, to capture it. Yeah. Well, let's try. Let's try. Let's, let's give it a <laughs> shot. Yeah. What, what do you think are the most important or essential elements of a, an effective quiet time? And again, it's so funny because we're going to be talking about it in terms of elements and principles sure. and things like that but we're talking about an organic relationship mm -hmm. with Christ. And so these things m may manifest themselves in, in many different ways. When you're meeting with God, uh, you might really emphasize one thing over another from day to day, but, but give us those things that you believe are critical to actually meeting with the Lord in relationship. What does relationship with God look like? Sure. I, I think the first critical element of meeting with God, and I think this, 
matters to God greatly in its personal worship. Mm. One of the things that we read in John chapter four is that there's something that God the Father is seeking. He's seeking true worshipers. Mm -hmm. Jesus tells us this. So whatever God is seeking tells me what I ought to be seeking and what I ought to be about. So if God is seeking true worshipers, I must be about true worship. Now, worship in the corporate sense, it means as much to God as it does in, in the private sense. I think the, the problem sometimes is we prioritize corporate worship and we de-emphasize personal or private worship. Mm -hmm. And I think God sees that. I think that captures his attention. And I think what God sees in that is that that's not true worship. Mm. Because true worship says there is no discrepancy in conviction and passion or in our deliberate approach to it. So we're going to gather as God's people, as the body, and mm -hmm. we're going to have corporate worship. And we'll be very intentional about that, as we should. Mm -hmm. We're going to think about the songs we're going to sing. We're going to think about uh, taking up an offering and, and all those things that are part of our worship together. But God says, I, I see that, but then what I see is when you walk away from that, you're never as intentional or as passionate in your when it's just you and me. Mm -hmm. And so why would God tell us to pray without ceasing? I, why, why, I mean, that to me, that, that is one of the deepest things I will ever read yeah. and see in Scripture. That has to mean that he desires constant fellowship with me. Yeah. So when I come to the Bible and I see this God who is great and magnificent and incredible and wonderful mm -hmm. and bigger than I could ever, I could ever fathom and that he would spend five seconds with me. Right. How it moves me to worship. Yeah. It, it, it does. Uh, another one is... A, a core or critical element of the quiet time is intentionally seeking God's face. And you see God's face in his word, mm -hmm. right? We understand the, the premium that God places on his word. We're told in Psalm 130 verse 2 that he has magnified this above his very name. So, so that's how God esteems his word. His word is a very big deal to him. Must be a big deal to me. In the quiet time, I, I want to see him. I, I, and, and as I turn the pages or as I'm, I see words or the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, channels my attention on something and it shows me something about God. And it's wonderful to sit down and open my Bible. And as I see God in the scriptures, be able to just talk to him yeah, and to be able to adore him. And God, you, you are merciful. You're mm -hmm. so merciful. You're you're long suffering. You're you're loving. You're you're kind. Mm -hmm. God, you're you're ready to forgive. Yeah, like it's and just to be able to thank Him for my salvation. You've you've made me to sit together in heavenly places. That that God, there's nothing that can separate me from Your love that's in Christ Jesus. Lord, that you know everything that anyone could possibly know about me, and yet you love me. Yeah. I've, I've got a question that I think yes. is really important, probably especially to our growing students who are, are learning to study God's word for themselves, mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're getting deeper truths. 
And there's a shift probably from um, maybe the, the innocence of that early devotional life, the zeal that comes with just being with God and his word. There's a shift towards a more academic approach to yes. God's word, which is a part of their growth. It's part of their Absolutely. maturation. How do you reconcile uh, a, a deeper uh, academic approach to God in his word and the dividing of scripture and, and seeking, seeking intele- intellectual knowledge of God uh, alongside a desire to just simply be with him devotionally? And I think what happens is, is something gets siloed along mm-hmm. the way. Like these, two, these become two independent things. And I think young people in particular have a hard time reconciling the two back together so that there is a, a continued passion for God and knowing him and, and knowing that you met with him yes. uh, alongside a desire to put together an outline or a research paper or you know, some sort of exposition or, or exegesis of a, of a passage. Um, Talk, talk about that a little bit and maybe even share anecdotally how you do that in your own life because mm-hmm. you study weekly to teach and you're in God's word from an academic approach, but you're, but you're also saying that, that this devotional part of your life is, is really important to who you are. I, I think this is something that we, we subtly overlook in the Great Commission itself. Okay, we, we're very familiar with this. You get to the end of that and Jesus says something And he says, and lo, I am with you Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Subtly, the way that we, we tend to view the Great Commission is that he is sending us on this mission to go do something for him. But that's not what he says. He says, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So in that, is implied is we're going to do this in a relationship. Mm -hmm. We're going to walk together. You're going to walk with me. I'm going to walk with you in this great commission. Yeah. And so I think what we, what we do is, is to your point, we have this quiet time. And then once we're done with that, we subtly leave the Lord and go about our, our lives Mm -hmm. and about ministry where he's saying, no, I'm, Remember, he tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he indwells us with his Holy Ghost. I mean, he is with us right now. So there's never a scenario where he's not with me. He's always with me. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's me sitting in my basement, spending time with him, or me sitting in my office here at MBT in, in deep study, or whether I'm in a staff meeting, or it doesn't matter what I'm doing, he's always there. Mm-hmm. Again, this thing of praying without ceasing. Uh, Psalm 119, probably the greatest chapter in all of God's word, and you see it, this meditation is, this is what we're to be thinking about and thinking on all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so th- there isn't a... A, uh, it's not separate. You, you, you got to see it as, as one, right? But I also think this, this is huge in terms of what you're asking. And that is, there are some very basic responsibilities that we have as believers in Jesus Christ to the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Two of those are, we are not to quench the Spirit and we are not to grieve the Spirit. It's very basic, but critical, Mm -hmm. right? When we do those two things, 
we're moving in the wrong direction, right? And so the Holy Spirit of God, right? We understand the, the, the first mention of the Spirit of God is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and he's moving. The Holy Spirit of God is always moving in my life and in your life. He's always moving to keep us intimate with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's That's how he's always moving. That's how he's always working. So if we're sensitive to the Spirit of God, which means we're not quenching him, which means now we can't grieve him because we can only grieve him if we quench him, mm-hmm. right? So if we're sensitive to the the leading and the moving of the Spirit of God in us, we're going to respond to those promptings that he gives us throughout the day, reminding us of what God said to us that morning, mm-hmm. reminding us of what it is that that would bring pleasure, honor, and glory to the Lord in our lives, whether I'm sitting in traffic and I'm tempted to get impatient and frustrated because someone was inconsiderate and cut me off. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, what would please the Lord right now in your thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Pray for that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Th- that that sort of thing. And so I-, I guess I said everything to get to this point, because in terms of the importance of being sensitive to the spirit of God, because one of the things that I have observed is there, there are some times where someone will they'll talk about their quiet time. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about that. And 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 what they're sharing is, is. You know, based on what they read that morning, they can now see how clearly some goofball is now. This guy over here who's teaching wrong doctrine, this guy doesn't get it. He's a mess. Mm-hmm. And and they're talking about how they're loathing this guy. Right. He, he or she may be a believer, but but they don't get this right. They don't understand this. They're an idiot and, and all of that. And I and I hear that and I, I say to myself, wow, like. If that's what you got out of your quiet time, mm-hmm. I don't know that you met with God. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that is that if you are motivated in your time with the Lord yes. by anything other than meeting with him, yes. it will produce pride. And that may manifest itself in I saw something in God's word and it revealed to me how stupid everyone else is. Like that's where pride leads you to is yes. that is that I have the the market cornered on truth now um, because because I spent time with God. Yes. And that's the declaration, which is which is a position of arrogance. That's not what quiet time produces. Right. Yeah. Right. So what quiet time produces is okay, let's say that, that person maybe they're not as astute doctrinally or they're not as refined doctrinally as you are, we are. Okay, if I've met with God, my heart toward them Mm -hmm. is to pray for them that they will get there. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to move me to think of them that way and to pray for them that way, not speak about them that Mm -hmm. way. Because at the end of the day, if that's a brother or sister in the Lord, God has no stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Like he loves them as much as he loves me, even though they're using an ESV. Maybe they go to a, a church that you and I would yeah. never in 10 lives ever even visit. <laughs> right. But that's a brother or sister in the Lord. And so so my quiet time, it 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 it, it transports. It, it, it follows me into my study time. It follows me into the decisions and the discussions I'm having with people, all of that. 
it's not something I leave in my basement or at my kitchen table. Yeah. It fuels your life. It, it fuels does. everything that you do. We know that, that quiet time includes, you know, an intentional seeking of the Lord in his word. What else does it include? Well, one of the things that it, 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 it includes is devotional reading. And I think that's now that again, this is so basic, but for us as pastors in particular, I, this one means a great deal to me because of how much time we do spend in study. Mm-hmm. We spend countless hours. I mean, I know your life, you know mine. When you look at just what you have before you, whether it be LFBI or Kaya or main service or traveling to, to go preach and speak someplace, you spend a lot of time studying as as we should. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we've got to study to show ourselves approved. We'll never make apologies for that. But when you, there's nothing like just sitting down and the only agenda you have biblically is just to open the word of God and just let it speak to not just your mind, but your heart. Mm -hmm. Let the word of God, if I can use an Alan Alan Shelby phrase, let it go 18 inches deeper. Mm -hmm. Let it get in here. And so that's where now, you know, Jesus, the bread of life, Mm -hmm. John chapter six, that's where I really get to experience that this is necessary. Yeah. I have to have this to live. God's word speaking to my heart, not just my head. As long as God's word is speaking to my heart consistently, I'm going to be able to walk with the Lord in a way that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. But the minute it just becomes academic, I'm on borrowed time. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and again, it goes back to what you were talking about before about when that, that devotional approach is converted completely to an academic approach, that's where pride sets in. And, um, and I think we really have to work hard at avoiding that and we can't make excuses for it, you know, because I think it is easy when you're studying and you're preparing and, and you're, you're, you're putting things down on paper, you have others in mind. You do. You generally are thinking about other people. Uh, if you don't pause to consider how the words of uh, of God impact you, if you don't let what you're studying, whatever the context may be, whether it's in your basement or it's in your office, um, become a mirror, then you're you're missing something in terms of what God's word is supposed to do. Yes. It, it cannot become a theological text. Yes. It, it has to be personal. It has to, it has to mean something to you when you open it up. If, if I could touch on that, because you, you really had a nerve in it, and it really ties into the question that you asked before this, and that is, you are in trouble when the Word of God has essentially become an academic textbook. Mm-hmm. So now it's a book that you know, but it's not really a book that you love. It can't become just like any other book on my shelf. Mm-hmm. It is the book. Yeah. And when you're sitting with God and your 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 eyes, your ears, your mind, but most importantly, your your heart is open to receive it. That's where change is yeah. going to happen to the yeah. glory of God. Hi, this is Mark Schaefer with Living Faith Tampa in Tampa, Florida. 
what a privilege it is to be called a child of God. And yet too many Christians stop there and they miss their whole purpose for their salvation. Colossians chapter one says that you and I were alienated and enemies in our mind by wicked works. And yet God reconciled us through his death so that he could present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That is an awesome privilege. And yet if that's all the Christian life was about, we would be in heaven right now. Colossians chapter one doesn't end with what God wants to do for you. Colossians chapter one ends with what God wants to do through you. You must, as verse 23 says, continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You and I were saved to minister. And if you're gonna minister rightly, you need preparation. The Living Faith Bible Institute exists for that purpose, to equip and to prepare able ministers of the gospel. None of us are worthy of salvation, and none of us are worthy to minister either, but this is the calling for every believer. Get prepared for your calling to warn every man and to teach every man that you may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Enroll in classes today. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. One of the quiet sins, and I think I can use that word. This is strong. I think one of the quiet sins that lurks in the, in the lives of many believers is boredom with God. Hmm. They've become bored with God. And I, and I think in, in many of our settings, Living Faith Fellowship Churches, where we are blessed with incredible Bible teaching from gifted teachers who know the book and, oh my goodness, is fantastic. Somewhere in our flesh, there, there's this lie that says we have mastered God that we have learned all there is to learn about him. And we, we know all there is to know. But when you're sitting with God and your heart is to see him, God, show me your glory. Mm -hmm. Like Moses cried out and you begin to see God and you begin to learn more about his person, more about his character, more about his nature, more about how awesome he is. Yeah. It's like, wow, God, you are bigger than anything I can process. Yeah. And so when I'm when I'm sitting with God, it, it's and you see him in the scriptures, you're not bored. No. It, it, you're saying, thank you for revealing more of yourself to me, and I want more. Yeah. And I, I and I've heard people say, well, how do you know when you've met with the Lord? Well, your heart. Is going to, there's going to be a, a burning, there'll be a kindling that takes place in your heart. Um, because you can't, you know, God is a consuming fire. And, and if you are in proximity to him and you are in relationship with him, yes. he is going to stir a fire within you. Absolutely. It should produce a zeal. It should produce conviction. It should move you um, at some level to, to have emotion towards him, whether it be just genuine love, uh, adoration, yes. a sense of majesty, like it should, it should prompt that in within your heart. And if it doesn't, maybe you haven't actually met with him. Well, again, it, this is just, you're helping me to answer the question a little mm -hmm. bit better that yeah. you asked. This is great because this is, this is right in line with it. And in terms of everything that we do, right? We think about LFBI, it's very critical. It's strategic to the mission. Mm -hmm. We thank God for it. We, we need it, right? Mm -hmm. To prepare and equip soldiers to live the Great Commission all around the world. 
praise God. Same in our churches, right? We're going to preach expositorily. We're going to trust God to magnify his book and for people to know it, believe it, love it, all that. But here's something that, and this is how you can tell that something is off with you and God personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I have seen this and it's something that, and, and I don't I don't say this to be critical or to, 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 to cast stones. I, I really don't, but it's something that um, God has highlighted for me over the years to say, hey, pay attention to that and don't mirror that. Mm-hmm. And, and it is this, it's when you know that you have a zeal for sound doctrine, right? You're going to be very careful to cross every T and dot every I doctrinally, as you should. Mm-hmm. And you're very in tune with heresy or doctrinal error, as you should be. But then when you look at your life, what becomes clear to the Lord is that you have a zeal and you have a love and you have a passion for doctrine that you don't have for him personally. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to having to spend several hours to teach, you, you do that. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you are accurate. You want to make sure that you're sound in your teaching and your exegesis and all of that, as you should be. But then when it comes to just sitting in your basement... Mm-hmm. with an open Bible, the fire for that, it just doesn't burn as hot for making sure that you can expound the book of Daniel properly. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do that. So should I. Mm-hmm. But my love for God, my appetite, that thirst, that passion for him, mm-hmm. it wanes yeah. in comparison to that. I think it's really interesting. You're, you're reminding me too that how how often we interpret um, the letter to uh, Ephesus in Revelation, and we often preach that by meaning you, you've lost contact with God's word, right? You've lost your love for the book. Mm-hmm. You've lost that passion and, and that that. But the truth is, your first love is is Christ. Yes, and and He is revealed in His book. Yes, and so when we are, are, you know, taking time to be in front of the Bible, but it doesn't produce love for him. That's a, that's an alarming thing. In other words, the two things have to go hand in hand. In other words, we can't fall in love with Christ unless we're in his word, Mm. but we can be in his word and not be in love with him. Yes, Absolutely. And I think that that is a really troubling thought and, and it is what we have to be careful of. Well, it, so it's going to show up in, 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 a, in a few ways. So you, you can see and the Holy Spirit. So I say you got to be sensitive because the Holy Spirit of God will show you this. Mm-hmm. It, it will convict you and deal with you to say, hey, look at your heart. Look at your motives here. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a great love for doctrine. You have a great love for being right but your conviction for righteousness doesn't match that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you, you can study these deep things, but, but in terms of how you deal with people, you're not righteous. Right. Another one is you spend hours and hours in study and doctrine, but you don't have a zeal for the lost for God. So love the world. Well, if you spend quality time yeah. with someone, you become like them. 
God loves the world. Mm -hmm. So there are people who can write commentaries based on how much Bible they know. But they're... But they don't see souls. They don't see souls. They don't Mm -hmm. have a passion for the loss. Here's another one. Do I love my brothers and sisters? God surely does. You know, one of the things that God has shown me as a husband is I can always tell how I'm doing when it comes to loving him with everything in me by how I'm loving my wife, Lori. Yeah. Right? Because that's really the greatest need that she has for me is for me to love her like Christ loves his church. Mm -hmm. Well, how am I doing with that? Mm -hmm. How am I loving my bride who I can see? How Mm -hmm. am I doing there? Well, I tell you what, if I'm close to the Lord, if I'm walking intimately with him, that's going to show up in my relationship with Lori. It's going to show up in my passion for the loss. It's going to show up in my desire to make sure I'm in right relationship with God's people. This is a really good reminder for our students because I think there's so many ambitious growing leaders that are in Living Faith Bible Institute. They're involved in ministry. And they're maybe even asking themselves, well, why haven't I been promoted? Or, or maybe they're, they're asking uh, themselves questions about how they're perceived. And it's really interesting to think that the knowledge that you gain from studying the Bible is not the only measurement of whether or not God should entrust you with more spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a, a Christ-like character alongside a growth in your knowledge of his word is is important. If you have if you have the knowledge that doesn't make you capable of shepherding. Uh, knowing the Bible really well does not make you a better husband um, or or father. It 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 is taking on the character of Christ as you grow in knowledge that yes. ultimately prepares you for the work that he has uh, planned for you from from the beginning. And yeah. that's, I think that's a really, really important aspect of this is that, that we have to um, uh, be pressed into the ensample of Christ uh, through his word. You're speaking my heart. And, and not that it's about my heart, mm-hmm. but, but you're hitting on some things that are extremely near and dear to me. And because and, character is a big word. Mm-hmm. It's a big word. Uh, how over the years, you know, I, I've and I. It's been hard, but over the years, I've, I've, you know, when I, when I got saved at KCBT, I was exposed to a number of men who I just thought, wow, man, one day, if I could just be a fourth of that guy, I'll be okay, you know, but not just there, but just all over. I've watched men not finish well. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't mean that in a judgmental sense or or to be unkind or or anything like that. But but again, it's, it's God has used those times to teach me and say, hey, pay attention. You know, th- that could be you yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah. But ultimately, it came down to really two things: um, lack of intimacy with the Lord, which always produces poor character. And when you have poor character, you're going to make those kinds of decisions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, here's where the quiet time is uh, for me. I think it's true for everyone. This is where it is a game changer. And I would say on many levels, a lifesaver because there are times when I'm sitting with the Lord with an open Bible and the Spirit of God is spiritually eviscerating me because he has shown me something 
that I can see in God's word where maybe a day before or a week before I thought, said, or did something that was contrary to the nature of Christ and grieve the spirit of God that I haven't dealt with. And I see it. And God is saying, I, I know now <laughs> I need to stop right then and there and confess that mm-hmm. and and be with God in that. God, I agree with you. I see it. Maybe I've and I've, I've been wondering for a couple of days, what's wrong? Like yeah, something's some, yeah, off, something's off, right? Yeah. And in that moment, book, chapter, verse, the Holy Spirit of God says, this is what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And oh, my goodness, the sweetness now that I see it, and by God's grace, I move to repent of it, confess it, and that relationship is mm-hmm. is back on track mm-hmm. as it should be, and that's one of the many blessings of the quiet time. Yeah, and and I think what you're also talking about is this relationship between prayer. When you're talking about confession, you're talking about prayer, and you meant you mentioned to me that that that's one of the elements, yes. right? So it's it's the seeking, uh, it's the reading, it's the worship, and it's and it's prayer. Yes, absolutely. It's it is, and, and this is, I mean. You talk about a, a privilege. This is one of the most amazing privileges of being a son of God, having a personal relationship with him mm-hmm. where I can bear everything. Yeah. I mean, completely transparent. I mean, as bare and exposed and vulnerable as a human being can be. And, and this is what I, maybe you can help me with this one. I can't figure this one out. Like th- this one blows my mind mm-hmm. that, that I can be with God in that space where I know that he sees and I confess this deep, dark thought or word or whatever it is that in my flesh I have done and to know that there is no adjustment in God's love barometer for me. Yeah. It doesn't move. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, no, it's an incredible thing. Like, I, 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 it does compel you to keep coming back. Yeah. It's like, Lord, I, I, I want to stay here. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. It, you know, God discerns and knows all things. Yes. So he, and he's seen every person through all of history. Yeah. Every yes, single detail, absolutely. every every flaw or weakness, and yet this is the pool that he recruits from. Yeah, right. Like there's there's just something really exceptional about the fact that he sees all of that. Yeah, and um, for me, uh, and his relationship with me, it's okay. <laughs> he's like, let's just talk about it. Yes. That's the invitation. Is he's yes. like, I see it already. Let's just. I want to talk to you about it. Yeah, because. Because I I can make it better, you know, is what he's, the invitation is I can make it better and I can make it more meaningful and I can make it more rich and I can give you a piece. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. You know? And, I, and you know, if we're honest, you know, there, there are times when, you know, we're, we're, we're like the Garden of Eden where we know we've blown it and we want to run and hide. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that, again, it blows me away where, again, the Holy Spirit of God is always moving us to a a place of intimacy. And so he's prompting and he's stirring and he's mm-hmm. moving to say, Hey, come, let's reason together. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's deal with this. Let's, 
let's restore that intimacy, that fellowship. Again, my vocabulary fails me. Yeah. What, what are some of the stumbling blocks? We already kind of hit on some of these. What are some of the stumbling blocks or hurdles that we have to quiet time that always, these things always seem to get in the way? Sure. The, I would say the, the biggest one is neglect, or I would say uh, compromising or mitigating the necessity of it. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you, you touched on earlier about you look at, okay, LFBI or for pastors and leaders, it's the busyness of ministry. And then you add family to that with all the extracurricular activities our children might be in. And, 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 and this is just a fatal flaw I've seen in pastors and leaders where they never use these words and it's never official, but somewhere along the way, they graduate from the quiet time. Hmm. Like, that's not for me. That's for babes in Christ. That's really good for people, you know, who are just getting discipled and just learning their Bible. That, that, they need that. I'm, I've moved on to bigger mm-hmm. and, and better things in the mm-hmm. Bible. When you get there, you're on borrowed time. Yeah. So a study that I've shared with our foundations two and three students, I shared every year, particularly in foundations two, when we talk about character qualities, mm-hmm. and I'm always careful to remind them that if you're gonna fall, most of you will not fall because of doctrinal error mm-hmm. or because of you not being gifted in a certain way. If you're gonna fall, it'll be because of character. Mm-hmm. Mark it down. Yeah. So this this professor, this late professor, Dr. Howard Hendricks, he was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He conducted a, a study of, of 248 pastors who over a two-year period all fell mm. in a morally disqualifying sin. So within two years, all of these, and from what he could discern, all these pastors were born again believers in Jesus Christ, but over a two year period, all of them fell in the sin of adultery. Mm. And so he he had some, some takeaways from his interview. He interviewed all of them, all 248. And he walked away with four takeaways that he saw in each one of these pastors. The first one was none of the men were involved in any kind of real personal accountability. Mm. And the second one is, is, is very pertinent to our discussion, and I think it, it reinforces why it is just fatal <laughs> to mitigate this or unofficially graduate from the quiet time. The second one was this. Each of the men had all but ceased having a daily time of personal prayer, Bible reading, and worship. Mm. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Again, this is what he saw in almost 250 pastors. And again, I, I, I know I know what comes with this just as much as you do. I know the demands on our time. I know sometimes how we're, we're looking for hours to try and get everything done. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, you are tempted to say, well, I can do without this. And what God continually reminds me of is that I can't. Yeah that I absolutely must have this. This is not really for for him as much as it is, I need this, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To make sure that I stay right with him, not just in ministry, but in my home, that I'm the kind of husband, I'm the kind of father that I should be. My quiet time is, is attached to that. 
directly, no doubt mm -hmm. about it. So mm -hmm. I would say uh, that that's one. The the other one would be because I think there are people who are listening who would say, "Well, yeah, I'm with you. It's every day. I I understand. I gotta have it." But but I also think you got to be careful that you don't make it mechanical. So once again, we'll come back to something we talked about in terms of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God moves in me often to meet with God differently. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look the same all the time. Sometimes it's 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 more it's more prayer heavy, where I'm spending most of my time in prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's more worship driven. Right there are times where sometimes I'll just stop and take inventory of the goodness of God, his blessings to me and my family. And what that looks like is me going on a, a prayer and worship walk mm -hmm. where I'll, I'll just start walking down the street. I'll go to a park and I'll just sit and I'll just, just thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for what you did. I just want to praise him. I just want to be in his creation. And I just want to just as much as I can just recount over the years, God, you did this and God, you did that. And God, you remembered us here and God, you blessed us there. And God, you answered that. And I'm just yeah. overcome and I just want him to know it. Right. Sometimes it's, it's, it's corporate where I'll actually go get my wife mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I, I want you to see this. God showed me this and this is for us and and let's pray together over this. Let's trust God. I mean it just uh sometimes it's it's actually uh turning on a a, a YouTube playlist of of praise uh songs that I just want to sit and just sing to him. Mm -hmm. it, and so sometimes it's I will Again, I'm not saying I do it right and this is how you got to do it. I'm just saying yeah. it all depends on what's right, happening. But right. but sometimes I will spend two weeks in a chapter or a selection of verses that God has just arrested my heart and my mind over. And he just wants me to spend as much time with him. And then when, when it's time to move on, I know it's okay. We can go to the next thing mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But but these are some verses. These are some principles. These are some things that some of it is God is, is it's sin and God is showing me a hard attitude or something I'm doing. And he wants to, to work me through that. Uh, sometimes it's about something that he wants me to double down on and trust him for. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like over the last couple of days, I can just tell you, I, there are some things that that God has shown me in his word that I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> OK. And, and I and I know exactly he's calling me to trust him. Mm -hmm. Like, son, I want you to think on this day and night. I want you to to trust me here. Yeah. I want you to sit down with Lori. I want you to share this with her because I want both of you in sync on this. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, so, so you're telling me it's more than uh, a chapter a day keeps the devil away? Yes. Because I think that's the uh, that's the perception, or at least that's what it gets relegated to over yes. time is, is it becomes, when you, when you talk about it becoming mechanical or routine, yeah. it, it can be this thing where it's like, I wake up, I roll over, I grab my Bible, I read the next chapter, done. 
right? Like in it, and I and I think that that's a lo- the the trap that a lot of people fall into is that it's not relational. Yeah, it's not. No. So one of the goals of the quiet time is to actually meet with God. Yeah. And so it's just like you and I. Sometimes we go to lunch. Sometimes we go to breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we travel together. Right. It, it looks different. Yeah, there's a difference yeah. between doing my taxes with my wife yes. and going to dinner with my wife. Yes. And I think what we've done is we've turned the quiet time into like the equivalent of doing your taxes with the Lord. Yeah. It's a necessity. It's like this thing we have to do. It's completely unenjoyable. And uh, and we, you know, and it doesn't profit. Usually it doesn't profit us. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, so that's the thing. And I, I think that has to be avoided. Yes, it does. If if it's mechanical and dry and mundane, something's off. Yeah. I mean, you're meeting with the God yeah. of the Bible, no. the God of creation, the consuming fire. Yeah, just look at the scale of the universe for a second. Yes. And get your mind reset. Come on. You know. Uh, and and that's the yeah. thing is that we get our, we get so inset we don't see beyond ourselves everything it, it's our world gets very tiny yeah and if we can see the world as as for as big as it God made it to be and we can see the expanse of His universe we can know that He sits uh, light years away uh, on, on in the third heaven on the other side of the glassy sea and yeah. He observes everything that's going on. And then at the same time, he lives within us. And, and at the same time, Jesus has promised to be with us. If we, can, if, if we just let, retuned our mind to the power of the resurrection. Yes. And that we are, we are destined to be resurrected creatures. Like if we could just capture that for a moment, yeah. there's no way that when we sit down with the oh. Lord and, and meet with him, that it would be anything other than completely wonderful. I go back to Psalm 8. I mean, who am I that he's mindful of me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. mm-hmm. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege. And and I think in terms of, you know, tips, I, it, it, you know me and we, we, you know, the way that men show love is we, we dig, right? Yeah. And we take shots. It's, yeah, it's, right. It's us. This yeah, is who that's we what are. friends do. So if you're not making fun of how I dress, you, you <laughs> <laughs> one of the things you make fun of is how early I go to bed. Yeah, yeah. You go to you, bed at like 6.30. I go to bed early. Like you don't even let your dinner digest before you're like in. I, and the way I imagine it is that you are in bed like in, in like the garments of like a 17th century <laughs> Uh, aristocrat. So like I, I imagine you with like one of those nightcaps on no, and a bro. long ga- like gown down to your feet with slippers and it's very formal. No. And then you lay down and you have you pull the <laughs> blankets up around your chin. Like this is how I imagine Kenny Morgan at 6:30. No, the, the blanket up to the chin, yes. Is that a thing? Not all the other stuff. Yes, the blanket <laughs> up to the chin for sure. But but and please, I think you know me. It, it's not that I think that makes me more godly or makes anybody more godly because they go to bed early. Mm-hmm. Whatever works for you, works for you. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's it's the anticipation. Yeah. It's because again, life is so loud. 
ministry is a blessing and a, and a privilege, but it's very greedy. Mm-hmm. And it will take all that you're willing to give. And, it, but it, it, all those things over time can rob you of that quiet time mm-hmm. with God. And there's nothing like it. It's, and so what I have learned for me is the earlier I go to bed, the earlier I can get up. Yeah. And the earlier I get up, the more quiet it is. Yeah. And that's where, so for us today, when it comes to the Word of God, we focus mainly in two areas, reading and studying. And fantastic, we should do both. But I do think there's a third one that we don't give enough respect for, and that's meditating, mm-hmm. thinking on it. And so when in the quiet time, when it's truly quiet, and you can sit there and you can marinate in a verse or some verses where you start here and then by by the time you're done, the Holy Spirit has led you to this verse and that verse, and you're able to just sit and think on that. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting and I'm thinking on that, I'm actually writing out prayers to God. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm writing out prayers and I'm also writing out prayer requests, right? I'm also, I'm getting envisioned, right? But but this is all happening. But here's the thing. My phone's not going off. Right. I, I don't, no one's waiting to meet with me. It's just quiet and I can just sit and again, I don't know what to say except, wow, man, this is so awesome to be here. Yeah. We've talked about a lot. This has been a a very full conversation uh, today. Um, I'm thankful that that you're setting this example for us Mm -hmm. uh, all, uh, for everyone listening. Uh, For me, you know, it's, uh, it's great to talk about this and it does... Uh, motivate me to to continue to make my time with the Lord a much more intentional activity. So thank Praise you, Kenny. Praise the Lord. We love you, bro. Thank you. Um, I yeah, thank you for making space to talk about this. It's it's uh, my my heart for my family mm-hmm. is that uh, they would they would know Him. Mm-hmm. Not just, I thank God for our church and all that they learn here, but but I want them to view their time with him every day as the most important aspect of their day yeah. that they carry with them in and throughout their day. Mm-hmm. I want them to know him intimately, not through me, but them and the Lord. Yeah. And our home will be the better for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. And and hopefully that will be the case for for all of our listeners and their families as well. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We want to thank you as well for joining us for this really wonderful conversation about what it means to be intimate with Jesus through uh, quiet time and and getting to know him in a deep and, and more meaningful way. And so... Uh, hopefully that prompted in you some change or, or uh, just a greater focus in, in the way that you approach him, that you won't be passe uh, in terms of your relationship with God. There is no mission. There is no ministry unless we have him and, uh, and unless we know him and are motivated by his heart. And so uh, for our Living Faith Bible Institute students, we want to encourage you to 
grow deeper in your understanding and knowledge of God's word, to take the classes, to, to learn the theology, uh, to, to, to have a mind that is ready and sharp to give an answer to anyone who would ask a question of what you believe. But uh, if you don't have the right heart towards the Lord, if your character isn't being shaped by, by hanging out with him in a loving and meaningful way, then, then all of this is for naught, really. Uh, and so uh, we want to challenge you and, and hopefully today's episode encouraged you to, to, to be more serious about knowing him. And uh, with all that said, we love you. Uh, visit LFBI.org if you've got questions about classes or, or our program of study or who we are as a school. But outside of that, we will see you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.